Okay, so today we are going to talk about Caro. It's the latest unicorn in Southeast Asia. Well, um, it's mm-hmm. recently they raised a, a Series C that of three hundred sixty million from SoftBank Vision Fund. Mm-hmm. So once again, it's SoftBank Vision Fund that's investing in everything and making everything a unicorn, right? Yeah. So some of the famous names they have they have back includes Alibaba and of course WeWork. So yeah, I mean I mean they're they're investing in almost everything right now. If you look at their portfolio, <laughs> it's like all the most famous names are in there, right? You can't find a venture headline that doesn't involve SoftBank these days. It's it's insane. It's it's it's, it's a game, right? It's like once you become a startup that's big enough, once you get to series C, series yeah. D, if you want to become a unicorn, your best your best your best catch is to go to SoftBank and just raise money from them and you'll be an instant unicorn. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, my God. have venture venture funding of three hundred sixty million is amazing, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so just a bit of uh background, right? We mentioned we're gonna talk about car marketplace, right? So so Caro is a car marketplace, mm-hmm. and I think in recent years, car marketplace has become increasingly popular, uh, in Southeast Asia yep. especially. I mean, you you those in the US and Europe been very very familiar with car marketplace. Um, you would have different versions of car marketplace. You probably see something like um, in the UK. You would see something like Auto Trader. I think it's something called yeah. something similar in the US as well, um, whereby it operates on the classified model. Pretty much, mm-hmm. if you're a seller, you just put your car up as a, for an advertisement and you pay an advertisement fee, so on and so forth. And as, as a buyer, you have to go on search out search for the cars. You have to vet the car on your own and and you know purchase the car from the seller directly, but yeah. Car, for Cairo, it for Cairo, it's a bit different, right? Their their proposition here is pretty much, um, offering a standardized approach to buying cars, right? So what they do is mm. they become the middleman platform, where they would create the seller who's trying to put on the yeah. car to sell, and they would do this inspection, hundred and fifty point inspection report, on the car. Right. And identify right. all the all the dents, all the problems, all the issues with the car, and put it up with yeah. the car for sale on their website, so that when any mm. buyer comes there to look at the look at the product, they know that this car has all these known problems, and they have the trust, right? Basically, you are breaching the trust between a buyer and seller. Yeah, and helping you you solve the problem of. Uh, you know, being concerned that you're buying a car with damages, there's a lot of problems unknown, and that that often, more often than not, is a is a struggle that most people have, right? I mean, God knows what the seller's yeah. gonna say. He's probably gonna hide a thousand things from you when you're buying the car. But Cairo, being the neutral party, he just wants the transaction to happen, will not hide it from you. He just wants the best of you, right? Because they offer, I think, a thirty day like money back guarantee as well, some sort of that, and then there's like. A damage replacement insurance to provide additional assurance to the buyers. Yeah. So it simplifies the whole yeah. platform. It simplifies the whole process. Makes the makes the whole process a lot um, easier. Easier, yeah. right? And I think that's what I was because we were talking about this before the the recording, and you know, I was telling you that I didn't, I didn't, you know, understand this sort of market as as much. And the different value proposition, and you know that I think that's the biggest difference. And you know, in recent years, we've seen a lot of those, you know, auto trader becoming like super big, and you know, the second hand and used car hand, used car market 
developing because the used car market has always been huge, right? I think it's just an economy. It's always almost been a benchmark uh, for a lot of things. So, you know, with the development of the internet, it's sort of a natural succession that it came to these sort of like online and digital. And I think what one of the key differences that you have mentioned here is the fact that before it was more of a, you know, you post your sort of ad online and you just, you know, the, it's a digital marketplace, but they don't actually acquire the car. They don't do anything to the car. They're literally there just so you can connect to the seller. So it's the same thing as right now, even in the UK, for example, Auto Trader is the biggest, but people buy their cars from, well, I don't, you know, I don't know anyone, but I know that there are cars being sell, sold on Facebook marketplace, for example, on Gumtrees, for yep. example, right? So that's the same sort of thing, but you don't get this insurance, as you said, that the car is going to be good. So you'll need to contact the garage to, to get the car checked. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of things that you'll need to do. And it's a hassle. So now the new value proposition is no longer just digitalizing this whole sort of where can I find a car? Where can I find a secondhand car? It's also like, I don't want all the hassle. I want just to go to something really fast and easy, which I think the biggest player in this um, is the uh, the American counterpart was sort of the pioneer. I don't know if pioneer is the right word because I feel like it's been done before, but at least the biggest is Carvana, right? And Carvana is huge right now. Like, I think they're valued at something around 60 billion. Um, they're, they are crushing this exact segment whereby they get the car in they inspect it and you know like i think carvana got really popular because i heard about it the first time because of the whole vending machine system that they had and they it's basically you know as it sounds you can get your car from a vending machine and you will go there and you know like and that's you know that's the whole buzz of, of the thing but their value proposition is obviously to to take away all the hassle and this is why i think they still you know, losing money to this day because, you know, they have the same thing. They check the car for you. They even fly you out if you're too far away from the car. And, you know, they do deliver the car to you for free. You've got seven days to try it. And if you're not satisfied with it, it's like money back guaranteed. So I think this Caro is trying to go around the same lines, right? Yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's very much going around the same lines of really penetrating the used, used car marketplace by offering the ease of purchase the trust of purchase to sellers right you, you, you i mean this is the main value proposition there um yeah i think one one interesting thing i would note is that other than Kavana, there's a very other big player called room that was listed that just got listed last year right right now it's really valued mm-hmm. at five billion very similar to Kavana. um i would actually compare room closer to caro because i think what Caro addition provides additionally, or Zoom provides additionally, is the is it's sort of the whole whole assurance plus financing plus um the whole package, right? It's just ways to make your buying experience as easy as possible. Um Kavana, mm-hmm. as I, I maybe I'm wrong here, but I think I I was speaking to someone about it before, and I think they still they are still predominantly quite reliant on their um what is that? Um, I think was it a marketplace whereby they don't they don't actually take on take on the whole, they don't actually provide additional services other than just selling the car. Maybe I'm wrong here, but yeah, 
Um, what kind of additional service would you be referring so, to? So for, 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 for let's say Vroom, right? I think a big part of the revenue yeah. comes actually from, from financing and same for Caro. Uh, for mm. in, on insurance, car insurance, car financing. So, you know, as the platform who sells you the car, they provide all these additional services. So essentially, you just have to deal with one platform that, that solves all your problems. They know the car you're buying. You don't need to submit any information. Mm. Everything flows through to them. They know how to price it. They know how to provide you with the finances necessary. And it becomes a very seamless process, right? And I was just reading, yeah. uh, and it's, it's pretty much if you do buy a car from Cairo, you pretty yeah. much get the car in a couple of days, right at the doorstep, being sent to you, and you can pick a time. But is it a vending machine, though? <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe not. Not not for a multi-story yeah. car, but I'm sure I'm sure that can be done. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, just to, sorry. Just to jump in quickly because you said Carvana. I mean, Carvana also does car loans and financing. That's for sure, because the founder, uh, you know, he has a long history. Of uh, of car financing actually I think and then so there is I, I'm I'm almost certain that he, Carvana does car financing and, and all of that so just to just to quickly add this in mm, okay that's interesting that's interesting I, I I'll need to again search it out uh, I'll, I'll put yeah, it on later no there's something that I know there's a slight difference in the business model between Vroom and Carvana because I I was looking at Vroom last year um thinking about the company and just reading about the whole pro- prospectus and and Carvana was one of the peers that I was looking at and I realized it came to a conclusion there was a difference but it's fine I forgot mm. <laughs> yeah I mean we're not here to talk about Carvana no Vroom but yes. we're here to talk about Cairo yes. yeah so Cairo right back back to Cairo um so yeah. it being the only sorry I would still love to say it being the only car marketplace in, in Asia but in Southeast Asia but unfortunately the interesting about Cairo is that it has a very mm. very big competitor so Cairo f- the other competitor is called Kasam or Kasam mm-hmm. let's call it Kasam or Kasam yeah. Kasam let's call it Kasam <laughs> right um, Kasam has its roots in Malaysia uh, so yeah. it's it's they are both both Kasam and Cairo are in the same markets right they are both in Malaysia Singapore Indonesia um, and I think Thailand yeah, the sea market the yeah. sea market the, yeah. sub, the main Southeast Asian markets right and they are yeah. very very close 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 in size right they both we are both founded in 2015 they are both facilitating mm-hmm. close to 1 billion transaction yeah. right they are both reaching um, you know, ex- trying to expand their EBITDA margin they are both close to a unicorn status and in fact I, I just I just found out that um, after Caro got the, its unicorn status from SoftBank Kasem yeah. acquired iCar Asia, right, which is yeah. part of the, the 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 Asia business of iCar from Australia, yeah. right. So right now, because yeah. of the acquisition, is being propelled into a unicorn status. So now we have two unicorns car marketplace business startups in in Southeast Asia, who's pretty much doing very similar things and competing head to head, toe to toe, and literally trying to bite off each other's neck every day. And and I, we can go into that for a bit, but. Essentially, I think they we can see we can see the bias, the fact that you're Singaporean and we're talking about Cairo today and not about Carson. But yeah, well, <laughs> well, <laughs> we're here to talk about the best and only the best. Of, of course, right? Of course, yes. because if you do if you do look look into the articles, you actually find um, some slight difference. But yeah, let's let's leave it to that. So, um, given that two competitors are hate to hate, they are coming out with. As, as you will always see across startups, they're coming up with ways to compete for customers. So I think there was a 
big slight blow up, not blow up, but a bit of saga a couple of weeks ago, um, whereby yeah. the CEO of Castle went on LinkedIn to mm-hmm. criticize a rival in Indonesia who lit- who hired yeah. a lady to stand in front of Castle Inspection Center with a board and wave at all the customers yeah. to try to steal the customers. Right, and of course we know <laughs> I saw that it's hilarious. Right, it's like we know who yeah. the cu- we know who the competitor is, and 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 yeah. you know what's the biggest dig? Sorry, ignore that. But what's the biggest dig that I'm not trying to say that word? But yes, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to say he's go trying on. to dig dig into this competitor. Right, what they're trying to do is that they actually got the lady to come in the inspection center. Uh-huh. Get, gave her some food yeah. Gave her some water And telling her Oh my god She's having such a hard time Standing outside Our inspection center To your customer Let's treat her well <laughs> <laughs> It's like Let us treat your customer, your Employee better Than you do Right We are the humane oh, Platform yeah. here But yeah And, and I think it's uh, for, From both of them Because from what I was reading They're You know They've been Really You know Head to head With each other And they've used Sort of what I would call unorthodox <laughs> sort of uh, sort of ways to and, and yeah part of this is to send employee in front of the other competitor trying to you know do their own ads and you know like literally going to going to f- grab customers from the others uh, others person's like uh, store so it's just uh, it's just quite interesting and it's uh, it's definitely a, um, a very direct competition going not, on not just that so right that, you know it gets to a point yeah. whereby they are stealing customers from each other they are stealing employees from each other as well right you pretty much hit yeah. the hr is outside their competitors headquarters in the morning and just <laughs> you're trying to recruit hey you want to join us <laughs> i mean oh, to be fair wow. this is this is something very common that was probably seen seen in china in the past whereby you know when all the startups are competing is against each other right uh, but probably less yeah. now <laughs> Now that the firms are like, I mean, huge giants But yeah <laughs> No but I think you know like When it comes to poaching talents That's always going to be the case right You see it uh, in the financial sectors You see it in the tech sector in Silicon Valley right Like you, you always read headlines about How Tesla is trying to get engineers from this other company Or how when Apple is you know Working on their autonomous vehicles thingy there's also trying to poach people from Tesla and and you're always going to have this, you know, talent poaching is very real, right? Because it's it's a big part of what makes your company successful. But going to, you know, in front of the other person's office in the morning and you know, and literally being on site, you know, that's it's 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 something else. It's definitely something else. <laughs> it's being creative, right? Not nothing is better at beating your economy you're beating a competitor. Then poaching yeah. the entire team away, and then they realize one day going to the office like, where did my team go? <laughs> <laughs> that is in, that is the most insane handicap you can give to any competitor. Yeah, but like so moving on, <laughs> yeah. right? So so moving why, on. Yeah, sorry, please. Why Cairo? Like, because obviously you know developer position, especially in the West, if you look at it, and for a lot of things like Carvana is hugely reliant on the fact that they're facilitating the whole sort of journey that you go through, right? Is there something unique to the Southeast Asian market, since I'm not as familiar with how you would purchase a car, or if there's a dealership, or is there like a direct from, you know, OEM to to customer sort of basis? I, I'm not really sure, but, you know, is it is it due? Because if I think about the US, a lot of it is, you know, the, the complexity of dealerships in the US makes it horrendous 
the, your your car purchasing experience can be horrendous. Um, there is always going to be a, a very non-transparent environment when it comes to the prices of the car. How is it in the Southeast Asia? And you know, like, what is is Carol really playing on? Also, the transparency and also on the user experience. Is there something else that they're that they are sort of solving for the market? Right. So, so the backdrop, the backdrop. Let, let me just lay the backdrop of it. The backdrop here is is really pretty much in Southeast Asia. The middle class yeah. is growing very quickly, right? Yeah. And the thing is that they are they are at this economic point, at this income point, whereby for them to afford a new, completely new new car, it's quite expensive, given that not many manufacturing facilities are based in Indonesia for cars, not many are based in Southeast Asia itself, right? So it's yeah. expensive, very expensive to import cars in. So that's number one, mm-hmm. right? So as the middle, middle class become more affluent, naturally they will turn into used cars because these, are, these cars are still in good condition they're they at a more yeah. affordable price range, right? Yeah. And and you know and as, as and, and I would say as every as any Asian, right? To them, having a car is you find a bargain. You want to find the bargain. You want to find a bargain, right? And and you want yeah. you, you always want to have a car because it's it's a form of your status, a form of like oh my god, I sort of made it in life. I could afford a car. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's it's a bit of that of that status there, and and that's the same throughout in the in the whole Southeast Asia. So so mm-hmm. these actually so like I said like I said right the whole value proposition is that nowadays people who are buying cars are not are young young adults who are more tech literate, mm-hmm. who find yeah. it who probably find it easier and and a lot more seamless to be doing the car purchase on their phones. You know, getting a car from their web from from, from a platform or sending it to a place, and if they don't like the car, they can send it back. You know, it's it's a lot more seamless than having to back going to the olden days where you have to go to a car, you know, your, your dealership. You have to look at the car, inspect yeah. the car, kick the tire a little, and see. Okay, my God, the tire feels hard. The car must be good, which honestly doesn't make sense, but. People like to do that. <laughs> I, I have to say, I, I have worst, done that myself as well. It's the worst cliche ever. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's always the first thing, right? Like, um, especially when you first buy your first car and you don't really know what to check. And it's always you see those sort of like, you have this mental image that you need to check the tires, whereby like literally if there's anything that's the easiest to change, maybe on the car is the tires, if anything, right? And then you start um, kicking the tire, but, yeah. yeah, it's like pressing the tires, you're like... That that's the that's that's the least concern you should have. That's the cheapest thing to change. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Exactly. Um, so more of that, not people still you know the young the young start to divert away from that, right? They don't feel the need to do that because honestly they don't know what to check for and having this platform there solved the problem. So it's really this uprising trend of affordability, good cars that these platforms can offer. Right? Mm. And and maybe maybe compare it to China. I think it might be a bit different in China. Um, is there a strong connotation China of from China earlier. whereby they want they, they yeah right now at this point whereby there's a strong connotation where people want to have new cars. I think I think China is a bit um, because China boomed uh, earlier, so this huge rise of the middle class was a bit done earlier, so you didn't have as much you know sort of. Uh, but there's the same trend, right? The trend of wanting to own a car, wanting all of that. But yeah, a lot of it is done online now as well. And there's, there's, we'll talk about this in future episodes. You know, there's a huge second-hand car market, and it's also a benchmark, right? And I think everywhere around the world, when you buy a car, 
it's about also the what is the second hand right because the car is probably the worst asset that you can own in terms of like value because there's i don't think unless you're buying a very you know luxurious sports car that might has collectible value most cars the minute you buy them they lose what like a good 20 to 30 percent of their value and it's it's one of those things um in china for example like there is so much discussion around you know like which car keeps its value best and then and because of the liquidity of the second hand market that's what you know uh enables this form of uh, of discussion and fixation right but but that's a that's a whole nother topic to be honest okay so before we dive into the last part let us let me just go through a bit of numbers so um mm. we mentioned that uh cairo has facilitated is facilitating about a billion rev, billion dollar transaction this year is currently i think last year has 200 million revenue there is a huge space for the company for both cairo and custom to grow because um in 2019 or, or in general, right? Yeah. There's there's six million pre-owned cars sold in the whole of Southeast Asia, six million. Yeah. And pretty much, Caro and Carson probably do like two to three percent, and even today, maybe like five percent of of the transactions on their platform. So for yeah. them to actually, and what they're displacing here is displacing all traditional dealers that you know that do brick and mortar business, or even dealers who, or even individual sellers who try to sell their own cars. You know, through evidence, through through classifieds, right? The yeah. very the more hidden market there. So they are they are probably making the whole process seamless. And this is the growth that just imagine, right? They are doing a bit a billion dollar transaction today at like five percent, five percent of the market. So you just need yeah. that to go to twenty percent, thirty percent, and that becomes you know a very very significant market for them to to be in, right? Just like ten times, right? Yeah. So I think yeah. definitely. You, you, you definitely see in terms of future trend that, you know, because as you said, right now, there's only a two to three percent sort of transaction penetration, right? Like if they can just grow this number, the numbers can can be very much scalable because once they've got the sort of base ready, I think one of the interesting thing for me is to look at, you know, Carvana, because they are by far the biggest valuation in this market, uh, market segment, right? 53 billion, they are publicly listed. They are doing really well, and you know there's, um, you know they're trading at, they're trading with a valuation that sort of takes into account the fact that they will grow uh, exponentially, right? But the issue is they're still not making profit, right? So they have a negative uh, sort of uh, profit margin. And a, a big reason for this is uh, all the things that we've talked about, right? Because they go very big on customer service they really want to you know make sure that everything is okay so a lot of the thing that you know they they subsidize and therefore they're not making money and their argument is that they will make a lot of money once they are scaled to a certain um sort of size now the problem with Cairo is that not only would they they might have this sort of issue as well because you know their the business model and the value proposition is very similar, but also they have a direct competitor and we know with competitors that cash burning and cash burning war can occur, especially when you're trying to aggressively acquire new customers. So, do you see this to be like quite of a long term battle that is definitely going to profit the the everyday user? but that might make this company to be quite hard to make significant money at the, at the very least for the foreseeable future. 
Honestly, I don't think so because the car, the used car market isn't one that really operates too much on discounts. Um, mm-hmm. Right. I, I think to that, to that perspective, you, you probably think of startup competition like, you know, let's say Uber, TT, you know, whereby they really subsidize to compete. Mm-hmm. But the car, it doesn't seem like the used car market is doing so. And in fact, for Cairo, it's really, it's really EBITDA positive. And going forward, yeah. as they scale up, it's only going to get better for them, mm. right? So, so right now they, they are having intense competition against each other. They will they will may yeah. they will probably expand across you know in in more internationally, you know, um, right. in more sub in more Southeast Asia countries. Um, but would they be subsidizing and be making a loss, you know, at every car sales? No, they wouldn't, right? They would never subsidize. Mm. I, I cannot imagine them subsidizing. You know, the the seller or subsidizing cars to be sold at a cheaper price than what the seller is accepting, so they will always make yeah. a profit from every car sale, and it's the point. It becomes the yeah. point of how much margin are you taking from each profit, and if you are if you are not taking that much margin, right, that's great. Then how do you find ancillary revenue? And very, I think I think that's an interesting thing because that's where the strategic differences between Cairo and Kasem mm-hmm. is, right? So both does offer um, financing, both does offer additional services, but I think the, yeah. the trend that Cairo is more focused on is expanding these ancillary uh, services, right? Because these are the real money generators for the business. Fair enough, yeah. Like... Okay, I can see that. Yeah, for sure. So once once you breach the trust problem, the quality problem, it, it gets to the point whereby you know we are both trustworthy, and then how do we generate more revenue? It's not through mm. charging more on the sellers because it, it's gonna be bad for your platform. You need them, yeah. but you charge by earning the margins on financing. You charge by doing other mm-hmm. things, and that's the real margin. And then you do it. Yeah, you do financing. You might do insurance because you've got the data. You've got the customer base. So you, you you can expand into you can expand easy yeah. to yeah. you can even do the maintenance. Sort of I think I think these are these are very lucrative businesses that because you have the existing customer base, it's a free inflow. <laughs> but okay, having yeah. said that, I think yeah, and then you open car wash, <laughs> and then you know. <laughs> <laughs> having said that, I think what one interesting thing I would mention is um, recently I've been seeing a lot of short videos on on in China from China of car sales, yeah. right. And it makes yeah. me think like, are you trying to look into buy a car? <laughs> no, no, no. It just what? it just happens to me. I I don't know why it's on my TikTok, but you know I I think yeah. I think it makes me think like maybe, um, it's mm-hmm. very possible that the car marketplace would actually move onto short videos because that's an even better way to promote your cars than just through um, a website. Yeah, but I mean, it depends on what you mean by moving on to short videos. Because if you think about Dahua and Zibo and, you know, like live streaming and like selling through live stream, that, that's already a thing, right? Yeah. But like not, 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 not that, so much for cars, right? But in, no, in China, it definitely, you know, like uh, you can find, oh, you know, very aggressive yeah. videos yeah. about Wuling Hongguang and, you know, like. <laughs> that, but, but I mean, that's definitely a thing. But this is different than this, right? Because it's not just about. I think moving to short videos, this is more of a marketing move. The, the biggest value proposition is still the whole journey that you go through, the fact that they do the check and insurance, you know, for you. So that is, that is still the core, right? So I think. Um, you know, let's just not try to confuse everything together. 
But yeah, just, uh, I think, I think it'll be not, I think, not, I, friend, I think not it'll be an interesting market mark, marketing move um, to transit into. Um, yeah. Because once you get the reputation and assurance, and all you need to do is you know it, it, it brings you a bigger bigger outreach and it brings you a wider outreach. And to your point of mm-hmm. saying China can, I just realized right, it's it's stupid to say you can't sell cars on on short video on on live streaming. You can sell everything on live yeah. streaming on China. Yeah. <laughs> you can sell yeah. houses. You can. you can sell. You can sell all kinds of things. Um. Well, you, we'll stop here. I think this is definitely exciting to to see where it goes from here, and definitely you know who comes out on top, right? Uh, there's always going to be huge rivalries between Malaysia and Singapore. That is, you know, for food or for car second hand car marketplace. So let's see who comes out on top. Uh, and yeah, thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you in the next episode. Bye.